Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, wa nasta'inuhu, wa nasta'afiruhu, wa nu'minu bihi, wa natawakalu alayhi. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina, wa min sayyati amalina, ma yahdihillahu falamudilla lah, ma yudlilhu falahadiyalah. Wa nashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa nashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira amma ba'ad. فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا والصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله وليلتهم My beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah and thus we say Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek his help. Wanastafiruhu, we seek his forgiveness. Wanutminubihi, wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in him and we trust and rely upon him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. We bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and many more, and many more. And as is the case every single week, I ask you the same question that I ask every single time, that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is changing. What is changing in the world? What is changing in our relationships? What is changing in our hearts? And then look at where you want to be by the time we get to the end of the semester, which is just less than a month away. So what is happening in the world? As mentioned last time, that we know of destruction that's happening in the Middle East. We know of destruction that's even happening in the Amazon. And we are not given as much attention to the destruction that is taking place, for example, in Africa right now, where there are fires taking place in big, big portions of Africa. And keep this point in mind, when you and I are hearing the news, the news that most of us hear is curated, and most often it is of concern in terms of what in our, the people in our community are looking for, which is usually the Middle East and South Asia. So much of the news is about Palestine, Syria, and Kashmir. But other places, like Sub-Saharan Africa, often gets lost. But that is a political discussion for a different time. For our purposes, at the very least, remember that this is a reminder that you and I will each be returning to Allah Ta'ala. At some point, that part is unescapable. And then a step higher than that is when you hear about the news of destruction of people, whether it's the children that we are hearing about in Palestine in the last few days, Try to make a very quick, at least simple prayer for Allah Ta'ala to get, grant the forgiveness for all of us and to grant rahmah for those who are suffering. Because it is frightening to think about all the different ways where you and I will be held to account for the suffering of other people, whether it's someone far away or someone who is just in our neighbors. But again, bring it closer to home that which you have much more closer 
uh, influence over what is the nature of the time that you spend with your friends and family. For example, at the beginning of this weekend, throughout the rest of the weekend, how will you be spending your time? And how much of that time will be bringing you closer to Allah Ta'ala? That is something you have control over. Now, a point to think about is even though I raise this question every time, I'm not speaking of 100% nonstop focus on Allah Ta'ala. What I'm speaking of is at the very least, the bare minimum. What is the bare minimum? It's the daily prayers. So if you are with your friends tonight, inshallah, hopefully somewhere in there, you can squeeze in time to make your prayers if you don't already do that. And if you already make your prayers, then inshallah, you can do more than what you usually do, moving from farther to sunnah, sunnah to nafil, and then beyond. And then bring it closer to home. What is the condition of your relationship with Allah Ta'ala in your heart? As the prayers of undergrads will be increasing over the next three weeks as we finish off the semester and you're submitting your papers and I will be grading your papers or you're taking your exams and then you're preparing for finals. How confident are you in your prayers? Now, of course, if you are lying in bed in the warmth of your bed on a cold day like this, and you're praying to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, please give me an A. When you could be studying, perhaps you should not have as much focus or, or hope that Allah Ta'ala will give you an A. But if you are putting in your efforts and you're studying everything you can think of, and then you are making the dua to Allah Ta'ala before, during, and after your studies, then your hope should go all the way up to the sky. <coughs> Having said that, <coughs> we are in the month of Rabia al-Awwal. This is the month of the birth of the Prophet, may peace be upon him. This is also the month of, according to some narrations, the death of the Prophet, may peace be upon him. So a question that I don't usually ask when I'm asking what is the nature of your relationship with Allah Ta'ala is what is the nature of your relationship with the Prophet, peace be upon him. Now, what is the minimum, the minimum is in the aqidah lens that you take him as a prophet and messenger. Now, what is above that, all of us know, is to try to obey him by fulfilling his sunnah. Now, a side point I have to make, just as a clarification, even though everything he does is by definition sunnah, it doesn't mean that everything he does is things that you and I are supposed to do that we have categorizations of sunnah. And the simplest way to think about it is that there are some things that he told us to do and he himself did, and there are some things that he did but he didn't tell us to do. So those things that he told us to do and he himself did would include the daily prayers, the additional daily prayers, or for example, to give charity on a regular basis. But then the other things which he did but did not necessarily tell us to do would include things related to clothing or things related to for example, the fact that he wore a ring or however it is that he may have covered his head and so forth and so on. Side point. What I want to focus on in your relationship with the Prophet wasallam, is asking yourself, what does the Prophet mean to you? Is he only the mailman who brought the Quran? which of course would be the greatest office or the greatest responsibility that humanity has ever seen before or since. 
but think of what is the most tough surah in the Quran, right? You and I know this, that every surah begins with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, except for Surah At-Tawbah, the ninth surah. And when you go through that surah, <coughs> it's black and white. It's a very, very direct, direct surah right from the beginning. And so one of the beliefs for why it doesn't begin with the Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, why it doesn't begin with the Basmallah, is the argument is that it does not have as much rahmah, as much mercy as the other surahs, Allah knows best. But that same surah that is so categorical, so blunt, as an ayah almost at the end, the second to the last ayah, where Allah Ta'ala is telling us about the Prophet, may peace be upon him, that he raised him from among us. And it is very heavy on him when you are suffering. So think about this. Every single one of us goes through struggles. Some of us are going through very heavy struggles right now. And you and I know this from some of you who visit me in the office. But one of the aspects of life that makes the processing of struggle easier is when you truly feel like someone else is hurting with you that someone else is hurting for you. One of my friends, he's a sheikh down in, in Dallas, Abdul Nasser Jangda, he, he puts it beautifully to think about what the prophet is in terms of his relationship with you and I. It's as though he's pacing back and forth with concern about each and every one of us. That is the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa And you and I know this. He has, there are so many wonderful stories, like his meeting with this little boy, Abu Umair, who has a little bird. And Abu Umair might be someone who is as little as eight years old, maybe even younger, maybe five or six, and he has this pet bird. And the bird dies. And then the prophet is consoling little Abu Umair about his bird. What has happened to your little bird, Abu Umair? And so he's giving consoling, consolation to even a little boy. What else is the Prophet, may peace be upon him? Think about when the Muslims were given the option to go to Abyssinia to escape from the torture that they were experiencing, that there were some of the Sahabas who stayed back. Now, why would they stay back if they're going to be tortured? when they can go across the sea and live in comfort because there are some who did not want to leave the Prophet, may peace be upon him. Or take a step back, why were people embracing the Prophet's message, peace be upon him? You and I already know the story of Bilal, who is hearing this message of one, one, one master to the point that he keeps saying that while the boulder is being put on him. And so many others of the companions were being told of this equality, or being told that their gods are worthless. But it is fair to say that so many people were becoming Muslim just out of love for the Prophet, may peace be upon him. They already saw him as truthful. But let us also not forget how compassionate he was that that was enough for people to embrace his message. Or take it a step further. <coughs> After some of the battles, there's a famous battle, we don't have to get into the names of the companions, 
where this one woman is looking at all the dead. And she's asking, how is the prophet? May peace be upon him. And she finds out her husband has been killed. And think about that pain. And yet she is asking, how is the prophet? May peace be upon him. And then she finds out that her son has been slain. And she's still asking, how is the prophet? May peace be upon him. Why are they doing this? Is it simply duty? No, of course. This is the love that the prophet, peace be upon him, has put in the hearts of the companions such that the immediate response is to give the same love to him. Or then think when we reach the death of the prophet, may peace be upon him. All of us know the stories. Omar, who is so close to him, he is so close that we have as many as 12 to 15 ayahs that are actually named after him because he predicted that Allah Ta'ala would be saying something like this and then an ayah came down. Omari ayahs. And then what is the story of when people start saying that the prophet died? That he started, he was getting ready to go after anyone who dared claim that the prophet had died and it was none other than Abu Bakr himself who was telling him this. And then Abu Bakr is even showing him an ayah from, from Ali Imran, from the Qur'an, that the messengers have come and gone, and what will you do, I'm paraphrasing that, if this messenger leaves you, will you turn back on your heels? Giving the message that the Prophet himself would be going away. And Omar is saying, it's as though I've never even seen this ayah before. Of course he knew the ayah. Or think of Abu Bakr, when he is looking at the Prophet, peace be upon him, his body, and he's even saying, even in death, you're the most beautiful of all. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? Usually when we are learning Dean, we're learning from the perspective of duties and obligation. And what I'm suggesting to think about is that the heart of the whole prophethood, may peace be upon him, is this mutual love, this mutual compassion that the Sahaba are giving to each other as taught by him. Which then brings us, actually, you know, I'm remembering one additional story and then we'll talk about us. That <coughs> you all know who was the Mu'addin, I already mentioned who was the one who used to do the call to prayer, that was Bilal. May, may Allah Ta'ala's, uh, may he be pleased with him. And he stopped doing the call to prayer because he was so depressed by the loss of the prophet, may peace be upon him. And finally, he had to get convinced to do it again, because everyone was depressed. This is what Abu Bakr inherits when he becomes the leader of the community, that the biggest tragedy that could be conceived of in all of creation has happened that the prophet, peace be upon him, has died. And finally, to help people build up their morale, Abu Bakr was convinced to give the adhan again for prayer. And then little by little, people started coming out of their homes. So bringing this back to you and I now, the first question to think about is can you have that level of love in your heart? This deep, deep, unending well. When you have children, inshallah, the answer will be yes. 
but I'm saying when you think of the brother or sister who is sitting next to you, and you have that deep, burning level of love for the companions that you have sitting here. Because what did the prophet say? May peace be upon him. If you want to spread love, give the salam. And you and I give the salam to each other. And that is a certain level of love because we feel how much it stings if you say the salam to someone and they don't respond. Then you feel that, like something's wrong here. Like you feel offended. And then you think, if you are sympathetic, you think, well, maybe they didn't hear me. But maybe it makes you really upset. But what I'm asking is, can you build that bridge with the person next next to you even tighter? Because what are the poisons that happen in our community? That I have to mention in every single khutbah. Number one, of course, is the loose tongue. In the same way that the salam is designed to build love with each other, that same tongue can burn down a forest. What to think of just a bridge. And so how do you do that? Spread a little sentence of gossip. Spread a little sentence of slander. Just to get a seed into someone's mind. So how do you prevent yourself from doing that? Or how do you prevent yourself from letting that seed get implanted inside of you? Because anytime you hear good news, follow it up with mashallah. Anytime you hear bad news, astaghfirullah. Anytime you hear good news, mashallah, it is what Allah wills. Anytime you hear bad news, astaghfirullah, may Allah forgive me. Make sure you are filling your tongue with something at the very least to protect your heart from filling it up with fire. But keep in mind that even when we speak about the Sahaba, out of adab towards the Sahaba, we speak of them with the greatest level of respect. But let us also remember that they were humans. Omar and Abu Bakr were rivals of each other. This was common to the point that they would even, in our language, they'd even go head to head. And they would even start pointing <coughs> fingers at each other. Yet, when it was a matter of deen, there was no separation between the two. But think of how huge Omar's personality was. Think of how big Abu Bakr's personality was. And then add Aisha. Think about how strong her personality was. These are not people of soft personalities. So what I'm also saying, in your development of love, hopefully you can also develop the love in your own heart for yourself. Because if you're someone who is toxic, who is spreading gossip, who is spreading slander, even if it's just casual, what are you actually revealing? You're revealing that you hate yourself. And do the math. We talk about this every week. If you send some slander against someone else, you have literally handed over your good deeds to them. And they will be cashing in on the Day of Judgment. How unfortunate would it be that you do so much good and then you find that your rewards are empty all because of your tongue. But let's speak about the positive. That because this is something you and I can control, fill it up with good. And the more you can fill it up with good, that when you hear good news about someone else, it will make you happy. So to finish off, what are we tying love with? Gratitude. So now let's think about this point. So there's this 
for lack of a better term, we'll call him a psychoanalyst, Carl Jung, who makes this really interesting point that if your focus in your religion is on the hereafter, you'll probably be stuck using his words in fear and trembling. We would probably say be stuck between fear and hope. But if your focus is on wonder, then the natural result should be gratitude. So another point to think about with the prophet, may peace be upon him, is try to conceive of what a wondrous person he was. Already, you and I know, before he became prophet, before he received wahi, I should say, before he received revelation, they already spoke of him as someone who was so truthful that it is not conceivable that he could consider anything but the truth. Or think about how wondrous he was, where Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, who said that he was the most beautiful person in the room. And as soon as you enter the room, you couldn't take your eyes off of him. That you will never see anyone like him, and you've never seen anyone like him. Okay. Try to imagine that. And then related to the fact that his creator made him, an easier way to try to conceive of this is think of the wonder of creation around us already. We fall into the trap of looking for miracles when how many times does Allah Ta'ala tell us to look at what is right in front of you. So as the weather changes, or even take a moment and appreciate what the lake looks like even on a day like today. It's beautiful every single day and it looks different every single day. Or appreciate the wonder, all of you pre-meds, which is almost all of you, when you're taking your classes, try to appreciate, yeah, except for this guy, try to appreciate the wonder of creation, even if it's in a chemistry class, even if it's in a physics class, especially if it's a physiology class. And think of how amazing this creation is. As a way to appreciate the creator of the prophet, may peace be upon him. We're saying that in our tradition, as amazing as the creation of a galaxy is, we're saying that the prophet, may peace be upon him, is more amazing. And even more amazing, if it's possible to separate the two, is the Quran itself. But what is the deeper point? That if you can increase that in your heart, you can also increase the appreciation of the wonder that Allah Ta'ala gives you, which can then lead, inshallah, to gratitude, which will also wipe away a lot of the poisons that come from the tongue. <coughs> so having said that, <coughs> I remind you of what we recite at the end of every khutbah, which I've been mispronouncing lately. Hopefully, inshallah, I won't mispronounce it again this time. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhaladzina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Indeed, 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 Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet, all you who believe, send blessings upon him. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati yama yusifun, wa salamun ala al-mursaleen, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Now we will begin the khutbah. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Allah.